these lyrics have always like stood out to me in the horse world. And that's when you get where you're going, don't forget to turn back around, help the next one in line, always stay humble and kind. And I just feel like, you know, everybody's on their own journey. They have their own goals. And, you know, sometimes you get to the next level and just don't ever become too important for people. And people probably are looking up to you and you might not even notice, but remember who you were when you were younger and looking up to people and help the next one in line. In on the rail at a jog, please. On the rail at a jog. Hello, everyone. We're back at it with another episode. Today, I'm actually pretty excited. I've had some experiences with leasing, and Rachel here is actually going to have a full blown conversation with us about leasing. So, without further ado, Rachel, if you want to kind of introduce yourself, maybe just Tell us a little bit of your background in competing as an amateur and then maybe a little bit of your experiences with leasing before we dive all the way into it. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Schuff, and I live in Aiken, Minnesota with my husband, Ben, and our one-year-old son, Houston. And I got started with the horses, like most people, with doing 4-H and open shows. And my parents were not horse people at all. But they had bought my sister and I some horses, you know, as we were going through our 4-H career. And we kept getting into a rhythm of things where the horses we'd buy weren't sound and we'd have to give them away. So we never could sell a horse and get anything back out of it. It was always we had to give them away. And so then my parents kind of, you know, decided like, we're not going to buy you any more horses because this is a terrible investment. And like I say, they weren't horse people and, you know, they still have to worry about making house payments and car payments and making sure we survive. So they just, they weren't on the buying the horses part of things. And, you know, my sister decided like she wasn't interested in it anymore, but I was like, well, I am not done yet. Like, I still want to show. I've looked at the Chronicle magazines and I have dreams that I want to accomplish. And, you know, I want to do breed shows and I want to be a world champion someday. Like, I'm not done with the horses. So where there's a will, there's a way. And I found an opportunity to lease a horse from someone and continue to do some of the open shows in our area. And my parents were definitely more on board with that, where they just had to pay for the board and pay for the horse shows, but didn't have that upfront cost of the horse. And so I'd leased this horse for three years. And last year that I had her, I told my parents, you know, we're doing pretty good at these open shows and we're being consistent and placing well. Like, I really think I should try a quarter horse show. And they're like, well, quarter shows are really expensive. If you want to do that, then you're going to have to pay for it yourself. 
And I was turning 18 at this point. So I understood that. So I did try a breed show and it was a big wake up call. And then I had taken a lesson after that with Bonnie Miner, who is a trainer in Minnesota. I went to my second quarter horse show that fall with her help. It was a much better experience going to the second horse show. But after that year, that lease was over and I'd contacted Bonnie again and said, you know, I'd really like to keep doing these quarter horse shows, but I'd have to lease a horse. Do you have anything in mind? And she said, well, I don't really do leases, but I'll keep you in mind if I hear of anything. And then that winter, I'm not sure what order it was, but someone I'd known from the quarter horse shows and was a customer of Bonnie, she had posted her horse for sale. And then she posted that she was pregnant, or maybe she said she was pregnant, and then she posted the horse for sale. But either way, I, you know, put two and two together. And I was like, hmm, maybe she would let me lease that horse instead of selling it. And so I had reached out to Bonnie, like, do you think this is a good idea? And she said, well, you can ask, you know, she would have to make that call. And so I reached out to Brenda and asked and her first response was actually no, but I understood, you know, if you want to sell your horse, you want to sell your horse. And then a couple of weeks later, she reached back out and said, you know, I've thought about it a little bit and I would consider the leasing, but, you know, have to be under my terms. So I ended up leasing that horse for a year and it definitely helped me get my feet wet in the quarter horse world. And then the following year, I wanted to lease another horse. And Bonnie found me another opportunity to lease a different horse. And that horse was able to take me to my very first Congress, where we placed in the top 10. And then the following year, I leased a new horse. And he just changed everything for me. He made dreams come true that I didn't no, that was my goal at the time. And so I had him for two seasons. And then the year after that, I leased another horse from one of Bonnie's customers. That just, the leasing has been a huge stepping stone and helping me continue on with my horse dreams and passions. And after that last lease, I decided, you know, I'm going to save my money and it's time for me to buy my own horse. And I did that and, you know, got married and my husband is into the horses. So we make the horse decisions together and now we have multiple horses. And currently we're with CAC show horses and Brian Ale is riding our horses. And we've gone to a lot of the bigger shows and do the Western Pleasure fraternities. Although my background is in the all around classes, but we've been having a lot of fun with that and are going to continue on with that. I feel like you're going to be the perfect person to talk to because you've literally, I mean, like come through the system of leasing to get to where you are, you know, not to diminish your hard work, but anyway, not saying that from start to finish. So were all your leases in barn leases, were they already horses in your trainer's barn that you leased? Not necessarily. So the first lease, that horse was named Harley. And 
he like Brenda had taken lessons and had him in training some, but wasn't like a full-time customer. The horse after that, it was actually Bonnie had gone down to the National Western Stock Show in Colorado. And that's where her brother and sister-in-law live. And this horse was like their pack horse in the trail riding mountains of Colorado. But the wife had shown her some. So it was kind of an opportunity like, hey, what would you think if I brought Twiggy back home and you could get a whole year of training for free if you let my customer lease the horse? And so they agreed to that. And then the horse I had after that, Bosco, I leased him for a year, but the lease didn't start right away. He came up in May and then I had him through May of the following year. So it was kind of a half year and a half year, but his owner was pregnant. And so she wasn't able to ride at the time and approached Bonnie like, I think I want to lease my horse. Do you have any anyone in mind? And she was hesitant. The owner was hesitant. Like she was open to the idea, but she was very honest and said, you know, I love this horse so much. After the first month, I might just take him home because I'm not sure the leasing is going to work out for me myself. But she ended up being okay with how it all worked out. And the, the lease continued on for the full year. And then the horse after that. That was a horse that she had in the barn when the owner had moved and was just kind of unsure at that point if she was going to keep him or not. And so we talked about Elise and and ended up going through with that. In the beginning, did you guys have contracts in place? Did those evolve over the course of the horses that you ended up leasing? Or what did that look like on that side to protect both you and the owner? Yes, we did have a contract in place. And The contract never really evolved because it worked so well the first time. Here, let me talk about the contract quick. (laughs) With the contract, the leasee is me and the leasor is the person that owns the horse. And what works with this contract is that the horse is under the direct supervision of the trainer. So Bonnie is like my liaison. You know, she's on on my side, but she's also on the owner's side. So she is that middleman that protects us both and steps in and has, you know, the professional opinion. And so part of this contract is that only me and the trainer can ride this horse. Only the trainer can trailer the horse to the horse shows and the horse can only be shown at AQHA sanctioned events. We can only go to shows that the trainer is at. Again, has to be under her direct supervision and care. The trainer is going to give their recommendation on any veterinarian care that's needed. And the horse needs to stay in full-time training. So it is a free lease in terms of I just have to pay for training and veterinarian care and all that stuff and the show fees and everything. But there's no fee to lease the horse outright. I think that's pretty common in our industry. Yep. Right? Is that I know the hunter jumper world, the leases can be insanely expensive per month. But for stock horse world, it seems like people don't chip, typically charge a fee to lease horses, but you do take on all the fee, you know, board training, vet bills, 
that type of thing, right? Is that how it's customary has been for you? Yep. Yep. And then while the owner like carries the insurance, I do pay them for the insurance for the horse for the year. And part of the contract too is any party, whether it's me or the owner, we can terminate the lease at any point. You just have to give a five-day written notice. But what I feel makes this work so well is the person that owns the horse has a relationship and trusts the trainer. And I feel like it might be harder for a lease to work like with people you don't know and you don't have that middleman that's on both of your sides. And so I didn't know personally any of these people that have owned the horses, but they knew Bonnie or knew of Bonnie and trusted her care and trusted her opinion and trusted her training to give their horse to her program to let me ride it and trusted that if anything were to go wrong, she's going to step in and, you know, say, Hey, this isn't working out. Or again, with like the veterinary care, you know, saying, Hey, we need to have them looked at for this and that, you know, what makes it work well is the trust with the trainer with both parties. What are some things on your contracts that you see as pretty typical across all the leases you've done? There's no one standard like form of like how these leases are supposed to work, right? So it's individual to individual and what arrangements they want to have in their contracts. So what are the types of things that you see that are like very customary, like insurance, for example, like I assume you're going to be required to carry insurance or pay for the insurance Mm -hmm. on all these horses. So that's pretty status quo. Another thing I know is very common is to the has to stay in training with a specific trainer a lot of times. Is there anything else that's like just very normal? And then, like I said, if there's anything that you can recall off the top of your head, that's been kind of like a more abnormal thing. The contract's all in legal terms, but it's very straightforward. And I'd be happy to share with anyone. I'd just say like the standard things are the horse stays in training. Usually it doesn't cost anything as far as an upfront fee. The horse is going to need insurance that the owner carries. And then, like I say, it's under the direct supervision of the trainer with trailering, going to horse shows, veterinary care, all that stuff. Liz, how does this compare to what you've done in the past with your leasing? Yeah, that's honestly what I was thinking of asking in terms of contracts. So in one of my past experiences, I was the one leasing out my horse and I was encouraged to have them sign the AQHA lease agreement. Is that something that you're doing with the horses that you're, or I should say, were leasing? Did you ever sign AQHA's lease agreement form to be able to show or how is that working for you to be able to show that horse? Yes, I definitely was signing AQHA's show lease form. And how that works is that the lease is for a minimum of a year. And I looked it up before this call because I wanted to make sure nothing had changed and everything was still how it used to be when I leased horses. And there was one thing that changed. So when I leased horses, 
one of the cons of the AQHA lease form is that, again, it had to be a minimum of a year and there was no termination of it. As far as, say, I leased the horse from January to August and then decided in August, like, I'm not going to lease this horse anymore. And say the owner was going to sell the horse or the owner was going to go show the horse themselves again. The horse could not be shown until that lease was completed at the end of the year. And so that always made people hesitant, like, um, not, not, I think that's what pushed more people to just change ownership. So they have that flexibility to cut the lease off whenever they needed to and not be under AQHA's hold as far as the horse cannot continue to be shown because if you sold the horse you know i'm assuming the new owners want to go out and show it but they'd be have that restriction when i just looked up the lease they actually have a you have the ability to terminate the lease and someone can continue to show it but it's a thousand dollar fee so yeah, sucks, <laughs> but it is an option now. When was the last time you leased a horse? 2018. So my understanding, because I did this in 2021, they signed the AQHA contract. I was told we could terminate it for the $1,000, but still for the remainder of the year, I couldn't show him. So it was a very interesting conversation because all of this happened while I was attending Congress. So it was just very, and I'm not sure maybe if the people there working just weren't quite familiar with the rule changes and how it was working with the lease, but I still couldn't show him even if I did pay that thousand dollars. So it was just an interesting experience for me on that end of it. Yep. And this lease, I happened to notice at the bottom, it said updated October 19th, 2023. So it's fairly oh, recent. Okay. Oh, wow. Very new. Yeah. yeah. If I read the fine print, it says, understand a show lease may be terminated without show restrictions before the minimum one-year requirement in the event of the death of the leasee or with a lease termination penalty of $1,000. Hmm. So that So maybe... Maybe they did update that. They have updated it to just pay the $1,000 and the new owners or the current owner can go on their way with showing the horse. Perfect. Because that was like one thing that I just was not thrilled about when I was leasing out my horse was even if I did pay that, I was still not able to show. <laughs> right. Yes. That I think was the biggest con of why people didn't want to do that lease form and would just switch the name of the owner. So I'm thinking the purpose of adding that back in was to hopefully stop the <laughs> just switching owners names and people would be more willing to just do the lease form. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I was like, I, I see, I mean, the thousand dollar fee seems extreme, but when you consider what happens regularly in the industry, it seems like a good way to curtail some of that while still allowing an option for people that legitimately have the need to break a lease to get by. And we should say that both of y'all's experiences are with AQHA. So that's kind of, 
I guess what the discussion will be today. And every association has a little bit different rules on leasing. So be sure and, you know, contact your association. Don't assume what we're talking about universally applies to everybody here. So is there any other legal considerations you know of other than the insurance when it comes to leasing horses that people should consider? Not necessarily additional legal considerations, but just having a contract, I feel alleviates anyone getting upset. You know, you lay out the terms and, you know, if something goes wrong, you have the contract to lean up against and, you know, well, it states this here. And then they're like, you know what, you're right. And it's not a whole lot to get upset about when everything's laid out beforehand. Have you just been required to carry mortality insurance or pay for the mortality insurance? Or have you had to do the medical type stuff too? Or what's been your experience there? So the horse owner is the one that carries the insurance. I just have to pay them back for it. But generally, it's just mortality. But if they, you know, choose to have further coverage, then then I'd just be responsible for paying that. So that would be more something in regards to individual leases and agreements yes. and whatnot. It's just stuff you'd have to work out with the person. What do you think is the biggest pros of leasing horses in our stock horse world? Well, I think with leasing horses, there's two sides to it. Whether you're the leasor, the person that owns the horse, or the leasee, like me. And with being the leasor, you can have different reasons, such as, you know, pregnancy or kids, life changes, you know, you're going through a divorce or just need to take a break, but you don't want to sell the horse. But by leasing, you can pass the horse off and the horse expenses off to someone else while also continuing the horse's show career and, you know, helping the horse continue to build value or stay of value. Or like in the one case, you get a whole year of free training. You know, if you can't afford a year of training, but you want your horse to develop and get better, you know, leasing your horse out to someone may be the option. Now, if you're a leasee like me, sometimes you're leasing a horse to help you get into college with a timeline. You know, people talk all the time, like, are you going to buy a young horse and build them up? Or are you going to have the more broke horse and go out and show? And I feel like when youth are on that timeline of trying to get into college, they don't always have the opportunity to buy a young and build them up. You know, they need that horse that's ready to go right here, right now. And sometimes leasing is the option for them in that case, if they're trying to get into a school for riding program and whatnot. Also, you have parents that aren't willing to invest in a horse. And that's not a dig or anything on my parents. They've done a great job of raising me. But like I said before, I, I know they have other responsibilities and another kid, you know, that's not involved in the horses that they can't just take all their money and spend it on me, <laughs> even though I wish they could, but you know, it's not realistic. And then uh, I do have a friend that it was an emotional replacement if they bought a new horse after their horse had passed away. And so she had leased a horse 
because buying a new one meant that other horse was, you know, gone forever to her and, and leasing was just a better emotional replacement for her. And I know people that have leased the horse because they want to try a new discipline and aren't ready to buy the horse that would be in that discipline that they're trying, or they're leasing a horse because they need a horse to teach them. And then obviously there's people that fall into my bracket of they can't afford the horse of the caliber that they want to show in. So there's definitely different reasons for why people want to lease and to each their own, whatever they may need. Actually, a few things you said, I hadn't really considered it before. Cause I always think about, you know, from my standpoint is like, I'm the amateur I show. So like, why would I want to lease a horse? Not why, like in a negative way, but from somebody that has a horse and your point about if the horse needs to learn something new or a new event or whatever, that you could potentially lease it out to somebody that would be invested and pay for the training on it. And it comes back and it's more experienced and everything. And I was like, that's actually something I had never considered before. I'm like, that's an interesting way to look and totally valid though. Very valid. Liz, what was your reasoning for your experiences with getting into leasing? If you don't mind sharing. Every time that I've let one of my horses go out on lease is mostly just due to life changes. I haven't gotten into it a lot, obviously in the podcast, but my young adulthood was not the best. So it was just a lot of struggling to keep things afloat. So it was just the best option for me to let them go out and be successful and, you know, give somebody else a horse to ride and go show on. So it just kind of worked out for me in those regards. But I love that Rachel points out, you know, just having good valid contracts to help alleviate any of the issues that may arrive, which obviously in my younger 20s, not getting much direction from anywhere. I didn't quite have those. (laughs) So it was a lot of learning. But no, it was just mostly life changes and not wanting to get out of horses, but not being able to afford it at that time to the level of which I wanted to, if that makes sense. I feel like there's a negative stigma with leasing horses. And if you like... You know, when the world shows going on and they post the horse's name and the owner and the breeder and all that stuff. And you see sometimes like, oh, it's the person's mom or dad or grandparents, or it's a far relative, you know, a second cousin that really owns the horse, or it's a family trust that owns the horse. Nobody gives a crap. Like, it doesn't matter who really owns the horse. Like, What matters is how you show up and present that horse. It really doesn't matter who owns the horse. And so I don't know, like, why people have such an issue with the horse being leased and just having that negative attitude, like, oh, that horse is leased. And I had some of that, you know, flack when I leased horses, like, why don't you just go buy your own? And it's like, well, you know, money doesn't grow on trees for me. (laughs) Like you gotta have money in the bank to back up buying a horse. So I just don't know like why people have like what gives them that negative thought about leasing horses because it's not like the person leasing it works any less harder. I think maybe 
what comes to people's heads is like, oh, they're just given the horse. Like they're just given a nice horse and and my kid had to work for it. And I don't find that to be like totally true. I mean, yes, yes, you're getting a nicer horse. You're leveling up. But I work just as hard as other people's kids. And I'm extremely like devoted and have goals and working to make this horse look and ride and show the best that can be for, you know, my trainer and the horse owner. So I just wish we could, as an industry, like push away that negative thought that people have when it comes to leasing a horse, you know, and if if you don't like it, then just show up and beat them, (laughs) you know, lay it out there in the show pen if you don't like it. But I really feel like we should be capitalizing as an industry on these opportunities to get people involved because I myself wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have these opportunities to lease horses. And each one was like a step up, a step up, you know, leasing horses was a stepping stone for me to get better and better. And like I say, I have these long-term goals and I want to be a world champion one day. And I knew I wasn't going to get there in 10 years and maybe I wasn't going to get there in 20 years, but I'm not going to get better if I don't keep riding and keep showing and building on what I have. So I guess what I'm trying to say, leasing is really important (laughs) think about it. And I have been listening to a different interview type platform and one of the hosts had just quickly brought up leasing and said, I I wish that it was banned, that it wasn't a thing. And I was just like, how could you say that? Like leasing horses has built me into who I am and just provided me so many wonderful experiences. And I just can't imagine a world where there wasn't leasing horses. I think on the flip side, to what you were saying is people don't realize like you're putting in all the work into this other person's horse at the end of the day, you're not going to see that benefit once your lease is up, unless you can extend the lease. If you're tracking what I'm saying, like we're doing it just for the love of the sport and for the horses, leasing a horse from somebody else, you're not going to get that end benefit. Like they're going to receive in the end, which is a, more accomplished horse, a more, you know, thorough training, like all of that money that you've sunk into their horse, you're not going to see that benefit at the end when you give up the lease. Yep, definitely. I think in my personal thoughts, when coming from somebody that's never leased a horse out, nor have I ever, I don't think I've ever leased a horse, even as a youth kid, did I do any of them? I don't think so. I think a lot of the bad rap with leasing has come stemmed from some certain barns that tend to, you guys know what I'm talking about here, but say they have a really nice horse and it's a youth all around barn or something. And sooner or later, that horse is owned or leased by every single kid in the barn for some specific world show or whatnot. And that's kind of abused. But I don't think the people that are actually filing the paperwork and going through the right protocols and procedures like they're 
probably in it and being very genuine for the right reasons and not abusing the system. And regardless of whatever rules the associations put in place, you know, this comes to even the novice amateur rules and eligibility. I'm like, you can't legislate morality. So, and I'm not, I'm definitely not agreeing with it. I don't condone it. I'm not saying, you know, it's okay, but to then be completely opposed to leasing when it could be an avenue for people to get involved in horse showing without such a large expenditure on money. I agree that it has its place for sure. Yep. Yep. So what are some cons on leasing though? I mean, we touched on them a little bit here, but what are some downsides or some negatives that people should consider before they either lease their horse out or do lease a horse? I would say the biggest con that we had already touched on is that if the horse is sold, you can't continue to show it unless you terminate the lease with the fee. Or, you know, if the horse owner wants to show the horse, you have to make that termination fee. I think that's like the biggest con, you know, you can't just part ways and go on about it. (laughs) And also, you know, the horse could become lame or have an injury. And I just feel like that's the risk you take. Like the horse is going to continue to have wear and tear if you're leasing it out to someone. But again, if you're looking at the benefits, like, oh, I want my horse to have a year of training or get better in this class or make their show career better or make them more valuable, whatever it may be, you know, you weigh the pros and cons. It's the risk you take. And another con as far as lease E is it is really hard to give up the horse at the end of the year when you've grown such a relationship with them and when like they've changed the game for you, so to speak. It's a bond that you have to let go of and it just can be really hard to move on from. But as the leasee, you have to realize this is not your horse and someone else owns it and they helped you out for the year long lease, but it's time to part ways and move on. I feel like I would fail on that because I get so (laughs) dang attached to like every animal I encounter. I'm the worst person at selling horses, which is why I've now determined I'm not cut out for selling horses. So I have had in the back of my mind that I was like, well, if I ever do need something different or want to try something different than what I have, like maybe I'll lease something. But I was like, oh, hell, I'll probably just get attached to that thing too. Liz, what has been your experience, like your uh, cons, downsides to things with your leases? Anything? Honestly, the worst one was, as I explained earlier, we signed the AQHA lease agreement because the youth wanted to be the one to show the horse and do all the youth classes and the level one. And she wanted the whole gambit of the experience, which I was more than happy with. I actually... It's a weird story, but I was leasing another horse at the time of this. It was just better for somebody to show Lincoln full time. Anyway, we signed that lease agreement within four days. They backed out of it. I had no plans of going to Congress with him, but he was already pretty much signed up through the barn. And it was just a bad experience all around. So I didn't get to show the way I wanted to show. It was just not. A pleasant time. And that was in 21. So that rule wasn't changed yet. So I could have paid the termination fee, but I still had to wait out the year to show my own horse. So it was just not the best experience for me, unfortunately. 
<laughs> for that rule with AQHA, is it a calendar year or a year from the date of the lease being filed? Year from the date of the lease. Again, like I said, everybody, it was like, this is, we're specifically mostly talking about AQHA, AQHA. here, not that we're trying to speak for AQHA. Though, but. Jenna, I don't know if you're allowed to speak on it, but just for the APHA people, do you want to kind of talk about the rule change proposal that you guys had last year and then might be coming back for 2024? Sure. Yeah. Real quickly, we are continuously trying to provide an avenue for new people to get into the industry. So a rule change proposal, myself and another gal, Bonnie Hebel, put forward last year is to allow novice amateurs to show and paint classes without having to have a lease on file. That is the world shows, the national shows and, you know, earning points is exempt from that. So for those large shows, or APHA sanctioned shows, you would still have to have an official lease on file. But for like your run-of-the-mill weekend shows and whatever, you wouldn't even be required to have to lease the horse to officially own it. So we want it to be where people at the grassroots level can come show at APHA shows and not even have to own the horse. Last year, we had to actually vote it down out of my own amateur committee, or not my own, but the amateur committee that I was on because there was a typo in the rule change that was submitted. So it didn't reflect how we actually wanted it to be read. And so that has been resubmitted this year. So it'll hopefully, well, if the board of directors approves it, then it'll be on vote again for convention here in next February, March, whenever convention is. So yeah, that's APHA's side of things. I do think speaking to other, just, a, you know, other associations, I know, I think Pento allows up to three or five people can actually lease the same horse so multiple people could show it. So that's kind of their way of handling that type of thing. We were, for APHA specifically, trying to come up with a version that is less paperwork for the association. So less leases on file, why we went with that direction. But yeah, so that's kind of the APHA side of things. But you guys have so much more experience from what I'm used to or have done before. So what's your advice for lessees and lessors, best practices, I guess. I guess with leasing, like the horse, depending on your goals, but like the horse might not make you a world champion, but it can push you from like state level to regional level. And, you know, there's kind of two types of leasing. It's making the horse better or trying to make the rider better. And if you want to show at high levels, but you know, you look at your income level and it's not where it needs to be, which is a different discussion about the expense of showing, but, you know, finding opportunities and taking chances and don't be intimidated to get to that next level if that's what you're trying to achieve. You know, like I said before, if there's a will, there's a way. That's just who I was as a younger adult. And it's like, I'm just, I want the horse. I want to keep with the sport. And I just have so much burning passion and desire. Like, how can I keep making this happen for myself for the time being? So leasing was the option. I forgot your question. <laughs> what no, did you is there anything other than kind of like having a good contract in place that you would say people need to, like, these are bare minimums. If you're going to go into leasing a horse, is what you need to have in place before you say yes. 
I don't want to keep repeating myself, <laughs> but just what I have gone through already that's in the contract, I, I just feel it's a bare minimum as far as having a trainer that is going to work with both parties and having insurance on the horse and just being serious about the lease. Like, I mean, Liz's experience, the person had backed out. And so just going into the lease, like being serious about it and, and having thought out long-term, making sure like you can afford it for the year. You know, you don't get to August and be like, oh crap, like I'm going to have to end this lease because I can't keep affording it. Like making good choices ahead of time and and I guess just being a good person going into it. Um, being a good person is a lot to ask these days. <laughs> so who has like ultimate authority over the horse, even in a lease case? Let's say like if the horse, God forbid, has to be put down or something, does, is there any, does the owner, the actual owner have any recourse over that or who? Yes, I would I mean, say it's, it's definitely up to the owner for large decisions. It's up to the trainer to give advice or, you know, get the horse the help it needs. Um, and then it's the lessee, I guess I call it leasee, but you said lessee. You're probably <laughs> the right. The leasee's job to pay for these expenses and making sure that the horse is getting the best care it, it needs at the time. But ultimately it is the owner's decision. You know, if you say, Hey, I'm going to take this hunter under saddle horse and show it in the ranch riding, you know, and the owner's like, no, no, I don't think so. Like this is meant to be a hunter under saddle horse, not a ranch horse. Like, yes, the owner has full authority, but with the contract, if something isn't going well on my end, I do have the ability to terminate the lease. So I touched a little bit on things that maybe change it in for APHA. Is there any other trends you guys see as far as leasing coming and going, getting more popular, less popular? I don't know if AQHA has anything in the works about any rule changes. I'm not privy to that right now, but what do you guys think? I don't foresee any changes happening, especially since I see this lease form was just updated on the 19th of October. But I hope leasing becomes more popular because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that want to do things at a higher level. But I think the biggest fallback is they can't afford it or afford the horse to do what they want to do. But leasing could be the option to be able to only have to pay for the training and the shows and the vet care and all that, but not have that upfront cost. And that still provides them the experiences that they're looking for. 100%. Again, it was like, these are personal comments of mine, but people have gotten really bent out of shape lately about prices of horses. Yes. That some are selling for. And it's interesting because it's like, of course, some of the horse sales, the stuff that goes on at horse sales is, or auctions is smoke and mirrors, but like actual horse prices, especially for certain subsets of our industry are very, very strong and selling for a lot of freaking money as they should, because I'm like a free market dictates the price. And so you can't artificially determine that a $200,000 horse should be sold for $2,000 because somebody can't afford it. But 
we're also dying a slow death of, you know, losing competitors and losing people that want to participate. So personally, I feel leasing when done right and ethically should be propagated more. But that's my grandstand on that one. So Liz, what do you have from here? Do you have any? Well, no, I was just going to say, I agree with Rachel. I would hope that we could see some increase in people wanting to lease horses. I just, honestly, as you said, our industry is slowly, it's not thriving in the current situation. And I just feel like leasing can be that option as long as Rachel has said, you know, everyone's on the same page. They're serious about it on both ends. I think it's beneficial. And as you said, the price of horses, I feel, could definitely use this lease option for us to get some new people because we definitely need that to happen. (laughs) 100%. As we are wrapping up here, Rachel, do you have any other words of advice or parting wisdom for us today? Yes. I know it's cliche as it's song lyrics, but these lyrics have always like stood out to me in the horse world. And that's when you get where you're going, don't forget to turn back around, help the next one in line, always stay humble and kind. And I just feel like, you know, everybody's on their own journey. They have their own goals. And, you know, sometimes you get to the next level and just don't ever become too important for people. And people probably are looking up to you and you might not even notice, but remember who you were when you were younger and looking up to people and help the next one in line. A freaking men to that. I remember all the people as a young, well, a teenager or young adult, in my horse showing career that gave me the time of day and the ones that didn't for two, you know, like I don't forget those either, but the ones that did, I'm forever indebted to them. And we need a lot more of that in our world. So appreciate that wisdom, Rachel. If there's anything else we haven't touched on today, as far as the leasing goes, that you think is important that we need to share with people? If not, we'll let you get on about your your Sunday. I do have one story quick sure. that I wanted to share. So got to keep it together. <laughs> Back in 2015, I was showing a horse, Twiggy, and we were sitting second in the nation in the Novice Amateur Showmanship. And, you know, every show I went to, it was like a big deal to do as the best you can because, hey, like, I want to sit as high as I can on that leaderboard at the end of the year. And so we were in Winona at a horse show and... I told Barney, like, I'm going to go balls to the wall. Like, I'm going for this. And I went and started my pattern and I started to trot off and was just going at it. And the horse stepped on the side of my foot and I totally just face planted down and remember the thoughts going through my head like, oh, God, like. I've never practiced for this to happen. You know, <laughs> what do I do? Like, like oh. how do you practice for that to happen? Right. And like, I remember getting up and like the horse's head was all like, eh, like up in the air. And I just pulled it back down and pat her on the neck. Like, it's okay. And I'm like, well, like, I guess I'll just finish. And so then I went about doing the pattern and finished. And like I say, I was 
mortified that this just happened and met eyes with Bonnie and I just started to cry because I'm like oh my god like I just gave up all those points that I could have won to help me reach my goal like this sucks you know and like went back to the stalls and was just disappointed in what had happened and then later that day I was going to the bathroom and by the bathroom is the horse show office. And one of the ring stewards was standing outside the office and he stopped me and said, are you that girl that fell down? And I'm like, like, yes, that was me. (laughs) And he's like, I just wanted to tell you what a great job you did. You got right back up, like petting the horse was the best thing you could have done. And you finished with poise. And this was the gist of what he was saying. I don't remember the exact words, but that was the gist. And like, it just set my day on a whole new trajectory. And I remember going back to the stalls and I wasn't skipping, but there was definitely a pep in my step. And I got back there and I'm like, do you remember like that ring steward out there? Like he just told me this and I'm like, I felt awesome. (laughs) And, you know, before I like didn't want to talk about it and was like showing people like, did you see me? Did you see me fall down? Like, let me show you the video. Like I got excited about it and proud of myself, even though it was really disappointing at the time. And just that in small interaction I might not remember what he said, but I will always remember how he made me feel. That's very cool. There's more. (laughs) So that horse show ended and I'd seen him at other horse shows and we never talked again, but he'd always like wink at me or smile at me. And, and I would in my head call him like, Oh, that's my favorite ring steward. Like what a nice guy. And, and when I went to go, you know, do the inspection for showmanship and he'd be the ring steward. Like I'd just be even peppier. Like you're my friend. Like this guy is just so nice. Anyway, a couple years passed and I never really like knew his name or he probably told me it and I forgot. But anyways, so my trainer, Bonnie, she had gone to the funeral for Tom, this gentleman that had told me those nice words, but I had no idea that that was Tom because in the obituary picture, like it was like a church picture. (laughs) It wasn't like he was wearing his cowboy hat and like looked like you would at a horse show. But I, I was like, man, like I recognize that man, but like, I don't totally know who he is, but I definitely recognize him. I just can't put my finger on it. But I, knew this person in our state that showed quarter horse had passed and and Bonnie had gone to the funeral because he was a great mentor to her. And so Bonnie would never text me after like nine o'clock. And I remember that night she texted me at 1030 and she's like, I just got home from this funeral and I couldn't wait to tell you, but like, I have found you the man of your dreams. I'm like, oh boy, like really? And she's like telling me about him. Like, I just think you guys would work out so well together. And, you know, he said to add him on Facebook. And I said, well, well, what's his name? And she's like, Ben Schaff. And I was like, was that his dad that just passed? And she said, no, that was his uncle. 
I'm like, oh, okay. And so anyways, I friended him on Facebook and then we began to talk and met in person. And I just like knew from meeting him that he was the one. And again, I have absolutely no idea that his uncle was the one that was the ring steward that day that told me those nice words. And it wasn't until after we were engaged that this Facebook memory popped up and it was the video of me falling down. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, like that ring steward. And I just started like picture that moment in my head. And it was like a scene out of a movie where like it just hits you and clicks. And I was like, oh my God, that's Uncle Tom. Like that's who that was. And I just, I remember calling my mom, like, do you remember that day? Like, I'm so sure that was Tom. And I called Ben. I'm like, I think that was your uncle Tom that told me like that I did a good job falling down. And, you know, I sent him the video and he's like, yeah, like that is his stature. That's how he walked like, that's definitely him. And it's just so cool because I had that one interaction with him thinking I'd never met him before. But that interaction was just such a good one. And I think a lot of the times we watch people show and think something positive in our head, but we don't go up to them and be like, hey, I like your outfit. Or wow, like the last show you have improved so much. Like your pivots are way smoother and more straight. Like good job. You know, you might see something, notice something, but you keep it to yourself in your head and you don't actually tell the person. And I just, I guess I'm sharing this because I wish happiness on people and I wish people would interact with each other more and be more positive and and share like, I think you're doing a great job or this was really great. Or even though this was disappointing, you did a good job you know, finishing. I just think that's something we forget about as humans is just like, oh, you thought about it, but you don't tell the person. And I wish we did more of that cheering people on and encouraging others. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. 100% agree. And I think we need to change the narrative in our industry a little bit. Yeah. Just clap for people and give them, you know, support. We're all in the battle together. And I think the amateur group is doing a good job of being a community or supporting group kind of thing. We need that to extend at horse shows too. So I'm hopeful, but thank you for that story, Rachel. That's really, really cool. Yes. Yes. And I know it was really long, (laughs) but I just feel important message. It's definitely a story worth being told. So we thank you for that. All righty. Well, let you get on with your Sunday, Rachel. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you and sharing your insight on leasing and uh, hope to see you around at a horse show somewhere, somewhere, somewhere soon. Yes. (laughs) All right. Take care. Bye. All right, that'll be your class. Bring them in and line them up.